with lifestyle medicine, we can actually restore health and regain Mm -hmm. some of the vitality that so many of us miss. Right. And it has a ripple effect. It's not just the healthcare provider and the patient who are walking that path, but it has a ripple effect to their family Mm -hmm. and to entire communities. And that's something that I think is a a beautiful way of looking at things and is what's going to change how we think about healthcare. Are you burned out, overwhelmed, not managing stress well? Have you lost that fire for a profession that you loved? Are you a physician that trained over a decade for a career you now resent? I'm Dr. V and I'm a burnout survivor. I call myself the Harriet Tubman of healthcare because I'm free and I'm coming back to get you so you can be free too. Let's move from fed up to fixing it. Although I'm a doctor, this does not make me your doctor. The information on the podcast, including opinions and recommendations, is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Such information is not intended to be a substitute for the advice of an appropriately qualified and licensed physician or other healthcare provider. Hello, 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 and welcome back for another episode of Office Visits with Dr. V. I'm your host, Dr. V, also known as Benita Vernado, MD, board certified OBGYN, and board certified lifestyle medicine physician. And we're finishing up the burnout series. Yes, the burnout series that I just really felt like we needed to give a voice and some faces. And as we round out the series, I am bringing on a guest that has, oh, she's put in a lot of time and a lot of research and written a book about how to live a fulfilled life and what that means for our well-being. So I would like to introduce you, Dr. Iris Shriver, to my listeners. Welcome to Office Visits with Dr. V. How are you doing? Thank you, Benita. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing very well. You all, she's joining us from the West Coast, and I, of course, am on the East Coast. So thank you so much for taking some time out of your afternoon. I will just let you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Well, it's such a pleasure to be here. I'm just really honored to be on your show, and I love your work. Um, Thank you. So having said that, I am originally from the Netherlands, and that's where I went to medical school. And then I did a postdoctoral research fellowship at Stanford. And after that, I became a faculty member in the pathology department at Stanford. And I wore many different hats. I always say that it was a great sandbox to play in. (laughs) And my primary role was to direct the molecular genetic pathology laboratory, where we diagnosed inherited genetic diseases, but also diagnosed uh, cancers and looked at prognosis and therapy predictions and minimal mm-hmm. residual disease. So I'm board certified in clinical molecular genetics and in clinical pathology, which is laboratory medicine. Mm-hmm. And I had a very rewarding academic career, but as you know, academic medicine is both rewarding and also all consuming. Yeah. So. <laughs> Even though I'm still affiliated with Stanford as an adjunct clinical professor, my husband and I, a few years ago, decided to step away from employment together and explore new directions. And um, 
we moved from California to Oregon and I became involved with a volunteer clinic and eventually became its medical director for several years. And I finally had time to write my book, which is On the Path to Health, Well-Being and Fulfillment or To Your Health. That's the subtitle. Mm-hmm. And that's now available as a Kindle as well as paperback and hard copy. And it was just uh, during the writing of that book, actually, that I learned so much more about lifestyle medicine. And I was so mm-hmm. fascinated by the science behind it and so impressed with the urgency with which we need that in medicine today yeah. that I actually paused the writing of the book, put that on the back burner for a little while and became certified in lifestyle medicine like you and then picked up the book again and finished it so it's solidly rooted in lifestyle medicine yes and you know the science behind lifestyle medicine is such an amazing and useful tool science in general to sort um, and separate fact from fiction Mm -hmm. and that was really my motivation for writing the book i wanted to empower people i wanted people to have a key to better health and well-being And so I wrote it for a general audience, but certainly also for physicians and other healthcare providers. Right. That's what I love about your book. For me, lifestyle medicine legitimizes a lot of what we know as basic, good, solid, you know, healthcare, which we never really emphasize in the clinical setting. And so you give some data to, you know, why this stuff is actually true. We're not like just pulling it out of air. And, you know, for my listeners, I met Iris through ACLM, which is the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. We're both in the happiness member, happiness science and positive psychology members interest group. And Iris was always at the meeting. I'm the secretary. And I'm like, why am I the happiness science? I want to be happy. But then when I learned more about you, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're a guru. You're a guru. So. Before we kind of get into some questions on you lending your expertise to uh, fulfillment and well-being, what made you leave your job and write a book? Like what was, I mean, you said that you were kind of, you know, I guess stressed out and all consumed, but what was that catalyst uh, that made you step out and finally take the leap? Many people assume because I fairly abruptly, you know, as full professor left a driving career people assume that I was burned out when I left. And I think it's really important for your listeners to know that people leave for many different reasons and that it's not always burnout that drives that. So you could say that I'm a recovering workaholic. That would be fair. (laughs) But I was actually never burned out. And it was really something that my husband and I planned over a long period of time that we looked at very critically, like, can we do this financially also, of course, but what would we do instead? And when anybody considers a move like this, which takes a lot of courage, as you know, I'm sure. Yes, yes. You know, you have to think about, are you moving away from a bad situation? Are you basically running away to something else? Or are you moving to? And in our case, We were excited. We were definitely moving to something else. You know, we were moving to new directions, to new adventures. And we've always both had very diverse interests. So I heard a TED talk once where the person said that it was 
a case of multi-potentialists. <laughs> and I think that everybody is a multi-potentialist, yeah. actually. It's just not that everybody acts upon it. But as physicians especially, we can make a difference in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just took the opportunity and ran with it. And I, I haven't regretted it. That is so awesome. Yeah, you know my story, Iris, as well as my listeners. I left at the time of burnout. But had I really kind of listened to that inner voice, I could have left sooner in a state of running to something. And definitely, I felt the calling to leave and just mm -hmm. had some fear. But I love that, you know, you don't have to wait for burnout if you mm -hmm. know that there's another path for you. And I love that. I mean, physicians, we know we're trained to do something very specific, but just to know that there are other gifts that we have, which is why I love your book, because Thank I you. felt like I'm running to a fulfilled life. I'm running to a fulfilled life. And your book has the title of fulfillment. So let's pivot and let's talk about that. What, what is fulfillment? Um, what does that mean and why is that important? Yes, I think it's very important, actually. To me, fulfillment is one dimension of happiness. So when we think about happiness, then it's really a combination of positive emotions that come and go. And we all know that, you know, sometimes you turn around and the positive emotion is gone or the negative <laughs> emotion is gone. It's a whirlwind. And a broader, more grounded sense of purpose and well-being. So sort of the feeling that life is good, that it's meaningful, that mm -hmm. it's worthwhile, that it's rewarding. And let me give you an example. So you might get a bonus at work, right? That's rewarding. That's financially rewarding. And you yeah. might have bigger buying power on the holidays. Mm -hmm. But what I'm talking about is a sense of being grounded and having that sense of meaning pervade your life. Mm. That, that is fulfillment, you know, feeling not accomplished by success as we measure success often. I think that we should measure success as how happy we are mm. overall with the joy. Of course, pleasure is a wonderful thing. We should have that joy, but we also should have that grounded feeling, that foundation, that base. And that to me is fulfillment. Mm. So y'all, did y'all hear that? She said we should measure success by how happy we are. That is not the message that we get. <laughs> if not, and it's contrary. really turned on its head, isn't it? Oh we, my goodness. We always measure it by achievement, mm -hmm. accomplishment, by how successful we are, how, you know, how educated, how much stuff we accumulate. Oh, yeah. But it's really about happiness. Yeah. And it's so much so that we put so much weight into success and accolades that when someone is wealthy and they've achieved everything and maybe they commit suicide, we're like, well, they had everything. And it's like <laughs> they didn't have happiness and they didn't have peace. So oh, I love that. We should measure our success by how happy we are. That's that's great, Iris. Tell me why fulfillment or how does fulfillment impact our health? Like, are we going to be sicker if we live an unfulfilled life? Well, happiness and health are connected. And that seems intuitively right. But now we also have the evidence, the scientific evidence to back that up. And the way you have to look at it is that you cannot look at this on an individual basis. 
you know, so if you look at populations as a whole, then you can see that happy people typically live healthier and longer lives. But that is not something that you can only look at at the individual person. So if you are an unhappy person, it doesn't mean that you're going to die sooner. And if you are somebody who's smoking and drinking and who is just awful to everybody and has no friends, <laughs> you might still live to be a hundred, even though you yeah. eat spam every day, you know? So um, those kinds of people are often highlighted in the news or in magazines, but that's really not what the science shows us. What the science shows us is that happier people typically have healthier and longer lives. And the differentiating factor might well be behavior. Because if you are a happier person, you're actually less likely to smoke and you're more likely to take good care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And vice versa, mm -hmm. if you are a healthier person, you typically also are happier because things are aligned. You're feeling good. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there is a logical connection there as well. So if someone says, you know what, I smoke and maybe I drink and maybe I'm not, I'm not so happy. What are some things that they can do to move in that direction to really kind of explore what makes them happy, how to, to get more joy out of life? What would you recommend that they, one of the first things that they should do? I think one of the first things is to really do some soul searching and see what is important to you in life. You may be a smoker and you may also want to see your children or grandchildren grow up. Well, those two are not necessarily compatible mm -hmm. because if mm -hmm. you're smoking, you're ruining your health. And on a day-to-day -day basis, that may not be evident. But in the long term, if you look around you at other smokers, you will see that many of them have a chronic disease, for example. So it may help to talk to a lifestyle medicine physician to do a comprehensive assessment and to then determine what is the most important to you at that mm -hmm. phase in life and start with that. You don't have to start with everything because that quickly becomes overwhelming. That's what we see on January 1st. <laughs> Everybody starts with all these good intentions and then, you know, nothing comes of it because they take on too much at too the much. same time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is one of one of the tenets in lifestyle medicine. A, you know, the the patient or the client is in the driver's seat. And we have to start with what you feel is most important. Smoking is horrible for your health. We know that. And I would love for you to quit smoking first. But if you want to start exercising, then that's what we start with. So I love to get that message out. And I'm glad you said that because so often patients feel, you know, that that they don't have a say so in their health care. Uh, it they has to be a dance. Mm -hmm. It has to be a dance. It has to be a dance. What are some of the things that you like about lifestyle medicine that lend itself to that dance? Oh, well, how much time do you have? <laughs> A lot. Um, you know, I, I think that lifestyle medicine, as you know, it has six pillars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is a whole foods, plant-based or plant-strong way of eating, right? That's one pillar. Another pillar is optimizing physical activity plans for a person. Then there is improving restful sleep and making and maintaining good social connections, stopping smoking and exposure to other harmful substances. 
And then there, there is managing stress with healthy coping strategies. Mm-hmm. And to me, they fit together like pieces of a puzzle. So if you only manage stress with healthy coping strategies, that's wonderful. But that's going to get you to resilience. If you put all those pieces of the puzzle together, it can get you to thriving. Mm. That's the difference, you know. With lifestyle medicine, we can actually restore health and regain Mm. some of the vitality that so many of us miss. Right. And it has a ripple effect. It's not just the healthcare provider and the patient who are walking that path, but it has a ripple effect to their family Mm -hmm. and to entire communities. And that's something that I think is a a beautiful way of looking at things and is what's going to change how we think about healthcare. Absolutely. And I think that's what it's going to take. People have to step out in their families and start a change. And I think that it's just contagious. Uh, You see happiness and you see joy and you see health and people want to know what you're doing. So you said resilience and thriving. So resilience is something that we we hold in high regard. You know, if somebody's resilient, that's a good quality to have. What is the difference between resilience and thriving? Well, to me, if you manage stress, not with a tub of ice cream in the evening, but with healthy strategies like, you know, like social connection, like exercise, like meditation, things like that. Mm-hmm. If you go out into nature, then that can certainly build your strength, your strength mm-hmm. as a person, but also your resilience to withstand the difficulties in life, because we always have these waves. And sometimes you're in a phase of life where all you get is lemons and all you make is lemonade, right? Mm. So that's resilience. But but to me, if you put all these pieces oh. of the puzzle together, you can get to a state that is better than resilience, that's better than you know, holding strong, it's actually where you feel in a sense that you are composed and collected and connected with yourself mm-hmm. and that your health is in a good place. And it doesn't mean that you're in control at all times. We're all humans yeah. and every day yeah. is a new opportunity, but it does give you that foundation of living a fulfilled and happy life that is rooted in well-being. So we want to be thriving. We want to be thriving. You know, in the American culture, you know, the hustle, the grind, it's kind of what we're used to. The nine to five, you come home and have dinner, go to sleep and do it all over again. And so I think thriving might be a foreign concept. And My listeners probably know about the Blue Zones, where people live in these communities that do not look like the standard American culture that we live in. So I guess I like to to give my listeners actionable tips. How can you pull yourself, how can you thrive in a culture that's really not designed for you to thrive? It's a very good question and it's a very big problem. If we look at the standard American diet, which and the acronym for that is SAD, right? Mm-hmm. And we look at mm-hmm. whole foods, plant-based eating, then there's that entire spectrum in between. And that's just one example of one pillar. I think that any move away from the standard American diet and from the standard American lifestyle is an important step to your own thriving. 
But you're absolutely right. The incentives are misaligned, right? Because there are entire food deserts in our nation. There are, there are stores where, you know, it's always Twinkies that are on sale. (laughs) (laughs) It's a challenge because you're going against the stream. But every single small step that you make in that direction is going to pay off. And it may not pay off the next day, but it's the building of these small steps. And every journey starts with a small step mm-hmm. that can that can really make a difference in health and health outcomes and in how you feel. So I would encourage your listeners to evaluate your own health and think, you know, on the path of health, well-being and fulfillment, look at your past, like where have you come from? Mm. How far have you already come in this life? Where are you at present? And then imagine a compelling future. What would you like that to look like? And that takes some introspection. And in a busy day, that might not seem possible. But you take just five minutes of pause. Just stop, turn off the phone, turn off the TV. Five minutes for yourself and ask yourself, which aspect of my own health could use a boost right now? Mm-hmm. And that's where you start. Mm-hmm. So there might be some people listening that think that their life is fine. I doubt it. <laughs> if, if you listen to this podcast, you're probably looking for ways to get healthier and to learn more. But if someone's like, you know, I think I'm doing fine and I, I like being the CEO and yeah, I have someone at home that helps me with this. What are some of the flags? Or some of the things that might be happening in their life that they think are okay and maybe in the long run really don't serve them and and will adversely impact their health. It's very easy to just get so wound up in life in the day-to-day because we are all so busy that it's just very easy also to lose track of yourself and your own health needs. And I always say in order to do well, And we all want to do well and contribute and have a life of service in some way. Mm -hmm. In order to do well, you have to be well. And I think that is particularly difficult for women. And I speak from experience here, but it is a place to start changing how you look at yourself. You're worth it. You are enough and you are worth the small steps that you can take. And if I look at physicians, you know, in particular, We have this deep-seated idea, this value that we need to prioritize work over everything else. It's that important. And then there's also that unspoken code of conduct that we hold our colleagues, all of our colleagues, to the same standard. And we don't, yeah, we don't do that to other professions, but physicians as a group, we actually don't support each other very well at all. You know, we lack that kindness and that compassion that we extend to all our patients and to everybody else. (laughs) But when we're ill, oh no, we just power on. Yeah. And, you know, that is very much ingrained. And it's something that is, of course, baked in in medical school because that's Mm -hmm. what they select for also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's time to be empowered. It's time to take that back and realize that that's not sustainable and it's not serving anybody in the long run. Mm. It is not sustainable. Taking care of yourself is not a sign of weakness. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. And you're exactly right. That is what's ingrained in our culture. And it's always been so baffling to me. And I mean, that's one of the other reasons that I said I've got to start practicing what I preach. You know, I'm telling patients to get more sleep, (laughs) to eat right, (laughs) 
And I'm an OBGYN sometimes getting no sleep, you know, like zero. So I definitely feel that there are some, I guess, cultural norms that we do have to be prepared to push back against to make sure that we're healthy. What do you think is maybe if someone is maybe, let's say, overworked, maybe they're not spending time with their family like they want to. What are some things that they can do? Just, you know, small little steps, you know, maybe setting a time at dinner to come home or what are some practical things that they can do that can really start to anchor this new path to um, well-being and fulfillment? There are many, many little things that people can do that can make a big difference. I would like your listeners to know that better health and well-being are within reach. And of course, you need to start taking those steps. But one thing that I did, which is not such a little thing, is get a dog. We were very busy. Both my husband and I had very busy careers. We were sometimes like ships passing Passing in the the night night. where, you know, (laughs) where one person picked up the car from the airport because the other person just left. And, you know, (laughs) it was Mm. just, wow. But having a dog for us, we always loved animals really anchored us and gave us an excuse, if you will, mm-hmm. to come home at a certain time. And, and one of us would leave later in the morning and the other one would come home a little bit earlier at night. And so we would shift our days so that we could provide good care to our beloved pets, you know. So wow. if you have children, of course, you already have that regularity built in. There is, There's no way that you can make 14, 16-hour days and take care of your children also unless you have significant help. Right. But one little thing that could help people a lot is digital detox. And that's also just to turn off your phone. And wait a minute, hold up, hold up, hold up, stop. Digital detox. I need you all to hear this. If you're driving, come back in. I need you to hear this. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Shriver. Digital (laughs) detox. What is a digital detox? Oh, I love it. The way I see it, it's a small thing. It's just Mm -hmm. turning off your phone from time to time. Some people do it for an entire day each week. I know that people in healthcare are going to feel very, very nervous about that. People in other professions probably too, because we're so addicted to living in our screens, living in the virtual world. But you cannot look at your screen and cross the road and also notice the bird or the falling leaves around Mm. you. Come on. So put away the phone for a while And maybe, you know, set a time each day that you do that or a day each week, if you can, and turn off the phone and actually be present in the present. Mm. And that's a small step. And the reason that that actually works is that you take your mind out of the rat race. You take your mind out of constant stimulation from the outside. And often it's things you don't even want to see. So instead of looking at the news, you either have you know, that quiet time, or what I like is positive psychology. I tune in every day. I get an email from the Good News Network, Mm -hmm. and they have these tiny little segments, just small articles. Sometimes I only read the headlines, but they generate positive emotions because there's only positive news in that email. And things like that, these small things, counting your blessings, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about what you can be grateful for today. And there's always something to be grateful for each day. Those kinds of things can really make a, a big difference, even though they are just small things. Yeah. And they did, yeah. don't take a lot of time either. 
Yes, they don't take a lot of time. And, you know, to my listeners who are saying, but I don't have a house phone and my cell phone is my only contact with the outside world. Y'all, she didn't say, I mean, she said you could take a day off, but, you know, just get in the habit of maybe starting with 30 minutes or an hour to just be present. We're not saying that, you know, you've got to go on a sabbatical in the forest, (laughs) but, you know, just just a little bit of time set aside. I really feel, Iris, that you, you practice positive psychology. Listeners, if you'll notice, she's saying, you know, there's hope. This is possible. You can do it. Even though our culture says this, this is possible. So for the listeners, tell us what positive psychology is. I thought this was fascinating. This was one of the things that I just couldn't believe that there was research and science to positivity. So I'm going to let you tell us what that is. Yeah, so positive psychology is a part of psychology, but if you think about traditional psychology, then it's often based on fixing what's wrong. And with positive psychology, of course, you also want to fix what's wrong, but it's actually focused on building what's strong. Yeah. So instead of approaching a patient or another person in terms of what do we need to fix, you can ask, how can we optimize your life and well-being? So positive psychology is based on positive emotions, on engagement, on good relationships, which is the single most important factor Mm -hmm. for happiness. The science has shown meaning and accomplishment. And that's not necessarily big accomplishment. That can just be, again, your measure of success, your happiness. So that's in a nutshell what positive psychology is all about. And I like the concept of positive health a lot, where we take the six pillars of lifestyle medicine and we combine them with positive psychology to arrive at positive health. Yes, I think there's a lobby to get that positivity as the seventh pillar. (laughs) I think it's going to happen. Relationships are important. But yeah, that positive psychology, the accomplishment, the meaning... Yeah, I think that's the seventh pillar unofficially. ACLM, I, so I didn't I didn't say that you all have to do that, but I think it'll be a choice. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a problem, y'all. There is too much to do and not enough time. Your personal life takes a back seat to a profession that you have spent decades training for. Your calling seems to be burdensome in a system that does not prioritize your well-being. You do not have to live this way. When you take care of patients, who takes care of you? I'm Dr. V, a burnout consultant, and you need me as your personal coach. I take care of the healthcare provider that takes care of everybody else. Go to officevisitswithdrv.com and click on the coaching tab. Schedule a free discovery interview so I can learn more about the life that you need to be fulfilled. So you have just, ah, I've enjoyed talking with you and kind of getting your take on all of the positivity and well-being. If someone wants to pick up your book, what are they going to learn in your book? What is that going to help them do in the future? Well, I'm hoping that the book empowers people and it looks at how our knowledge is built and how we are influenced. So in the first half of the book, I'm really looking at how we are manipulated to trust information Mm -hmm. that sometimes does more harm than good. 
So that's interesting because there are many stories and examples there where you're thinking, oh, you know, that's happening to me too. Right now. <laughs> and, you, and you just didn't think about that before. And in the second half of the book, I'm looking at individual topics like happiness, like nature versus nurture, like what we actually know about diets and what we actually know about prevention. And again, there are lots of stories and anecdotes and you could read those chapters on their own if you're interested in something in particular. But the whole book will give you, you know, that understanding, the deeper understanding of how we are often bamboozled. And in the second half of the book, you know, I will tell you what we actually know and what we don't know and what you right. need to pay attention to. Right. Which is what I love because you're absolutely right. I laugh because my pastor says bamboozled because <laughs> we've been tricked, you know, we've been deceived. We've been deceived. And so anyone that is helping pull back the curtain and show us what the real wizard is behind the curtain. I'm a fan of because that's what I'm here to do. Because once we get in our head that it is possible and this is better and it is achievable, we can head in that direction and we definitely will will have a more meaningful life. So you've already said that the book will be on, we can get it on Amazon and the Kindle version. Do you have a website where you sell the book or do you have a website that the listeners can go as well to get more information? Yes, they can find more information about me and about the book on lifestyleforhealthandwellness.com. That's all together, lifestyleforhealthandwellness.com. And I also have a discount code there for Ooh. both the paperback and the hard copy. And as you said, the Kindle is, of course, inexpensive, and that's just available on Amazon. Yep. And if you're listening today, right now, you can get the Kindle and get started. We'll have all of that information in our show notes and you can easily access it. I want you all to share this episode with anyone you love, with anyone you love. We are planting the seed and this is not like frou-frou. This is like, this is how you, you get healthier. This is very, very important, very important. So I would just like to wrap up. Uh, and Iris, do you want to, or sorry, Dr. Shriver? <laughs> Iris is fine. <laughs> do you want to give Please. us one, one parting tip or one parting word uh, that you'd like to have the listeners take away? I just want them to know that I subscribe to the notion of possibility of better health and well-being for everybody. Mm -hmm. And our happiness is important in part, the way we interpret our world and how we perceive our lives. And it's a matter of the mind, you know, it's a mind that plays tricks on us. And then there are the outside influences, the smoke and mirrors, mm -hmm. all the traps of deception. But what we want to do is add years to life and life to years. Mm -hmm. And I didn't come up with that phrase, but it really nails it, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So if we want to add years to life and life to years, we need to start today. Mm -hmm. Today is a great day to start. Today is a great day to start. And with the information that you just shared with us, I think we're off to a good start. So Dr. Ira Shriver, author, professor, like everything, trailblazer. Thank you so much for coming on Office Visits with Dr. V. And you all... 
this is not, you know, as I like to say for play play, you know, this is her life's work. This is the spirit that she exudes. I really, really want you all to invest some time in reading that book or learning more from Dr. Ira Schreiber. So we will see you all next time on the next episode of Office Visits with Dr. V. And I'm going to close it out with what uh, Dr. Schreiber said. We want to add more years to life and more life to our years. You all take care. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Office Visits with Dr. V. I would love to stay connected. So please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Office Visits with Dr. V and on LinkedIn at Benita Vernado, MD. Share this information with your friends and colleagues. Like and subscribe. You know the drill. Also, go to officevisitswithdrv.com backslash connect and leave your email to receive updates on everything that Dr. V is doing to introduce you to your new life.